You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. How many of you know Jimmy Cash? Not Johnny Cash, Jimmy Cash. He's a lesser known Cash, right? Jimmy Cash, not many people know him, but everyone on staff knows Jimmy Cash because there are Jimmy Cash Bibles all over this church. Let me tell you about Jimmy Cash. Jimmy Cash was a guy uh, here nearby this church that several years ago passed away. And Jimmy had a tendency to whenever he'd go in a bookstore, he would buy a Bible. Uh, he, he would buy a Bible. It was always a different translation, a different style. There was archaeological Bibles, King James Bibles. There was uh, life application Bibles, NIV Bibles, children's Bibles, every kind of Bible you could have. But he had this uh, tendency, he had this uh, uh, compulsion to buy a Bible every time he would go in. And not only that, he would get his name engraved uh, or embossed on it. Jimmy Cash, right there. So, Jimmy Cash passed away, and his family didn't know what to do with these hundreds of Bibles. They didn't have a church that they went to, so they contacted Discovery. This is before I got here, and, and I've been here five years. And so they, they contacted Discovery and said, hey, we got a couple boxes of Bibles we'd like to give you. And they said, okay. They get these boxes. None of them match, but they all say Jimmy Cash on them, right? And so we have Jimmy Cash Bibles all over this place. If you look and you look closely, it's a Jimmy Cash Bible if you find one laying around. There's Jimmy Cash Bibles in the green room. There's Jimmy Cash Bibles in the children's area. There's Jimmy Cash Bibles in the fireside room. Jimmy Cash Bibles. And I see this, and I am, I, I, sometimes when I see Jimmy Cash Bibles, I don't know, I'll be honest with you. I got a little confession that I feel inferior. I feel in fear that I think, man, this guy spent all that money to just be because he loved God's word that much. That when I see a Jimmy Cash Bible and I think that uh, all the impact that a Jimmy Cash Bible has made, and we've had people come to the church that are like, hey, I could use a Bible. And I'm saying, like, I got one for you. And I'd go and I'd say, what kind of version do you like? We got it. And it's like a little Bible bookstore all by Jimmy Cash. And so I'll give them a Jimmy Cash Bible. And so there's people in this church, there's people that have moved away from this church, that Jimmy Cash is on their Bible. And I see this, and, and I feel inferior, sort of, as a Christian. And then more so when I open up this Bible. I don't know about you, but when, when I open it up and I read these stories of these amazing people, I feel less of a, of a good person. I feel less of a Christian. I, I feel inferior. But if you just think about some of the people we've hit on in the past couple years, when you think of Elijah, and he had such faith in God that, that fire came down and he took on the prophets of Baal. We've looked at Ruth and her faithfulness to go to a land she didn't know and to follow that God. We've looked through the book of John and to see these disciples grow from, from fishermen to being great pillars of the faith. We've seen... We just studied David and see this man that is pursuing God's heart. Even though he makes mistakes, he's still a man after God's heart. He wrote the Psalms. And I see that. And I go through here and I feel a little inferior. I don't know about you. But that's how sometimes I feel. Perhaps you're there with me, right? That you, perhaps when you're, we've been reading uh, Philippians and here's Paul. He's in jail he, he's in captivity, he's being chained to a guard, and he sits there and says, I rejoice. And I'm like, what? How can he do that? And I think, ah, what's wrong with me? 
I don't know about you, but that's sometimes how I feel. And, and I don't think that this comparison is anything new to, to us today, anything new to myself, anything new to maybe you if you're comparing yourself to other saints. I, I see this in this section of Philippians that, that we just went over. That Paul addresses this idea of, of comparing and, and this idea of striving to something. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it to the third chapter of Philippians. We're going to be sending there. Uh, if you have a Jimmy Cash, open it to Philippians 3, and, and that's where we're going to be this morning. And we begin by reviewing some verses from last week. As we look at this comparison game, as we look at this idea that, uh, that I don't know about you, but sometimes I think is other people are better Christians than me. Right? Can you think of someone that you would say, oh, they're a better Christian than me? Maybe grandma or that nice person down the street, maybe that coworker is just a better Christian than me. And it's this comparison because there's not really a better Christian. We're all Christians. We're all saved. And that's what Paul gets to here. And he's sharing this with the Philippians because there is this idea of comparison. And there's this idea that the, the Judaizers are saying, well, you'd be a better Christian if you were a Jew first and if you did these, these rules and regulations. And so Paul gets into this in verse 4. We'll review a couple of verses. It says, though I myself have reason for such, conf uh, for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Right? Paul is saying he's got all the confidence that he could possibly have in his actions and his status and his background and his passion and his zeal. All these reasons are reasons that he would be the perfect Christian. But he says that those are all a loss. Verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. So he's telling the, the Philippians, all these accomplishments, all these things that maybe you were comparing yourself against me, Paul. They're garbage. All those things that the Judaizers are telling you that you have to do to, to become a Christian, they're garbage. What matters is there's righteousness found in Christ Jesus. He says, and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Jimmy Cash, <laughs> Paul... Peter, Lydia and Acts, Stephen and Acts, all these people that were pillars of great examples of faith. They're not any better Christians than us because it's not on their accomplishments. It's not on how many Bibles you've purchased and put your name on. Our accomplishment isn't based on us, but about what Jesus accomplished, that we find our righteousness in Christ. So this is what Paul's talking to the Philippians about, and it's this idea of comparing, and we get into the new passages for today. In verse 12, it says, not that I have already obtained all this. So he's striving to be like Christ, right? This is his zeal, this is what he's going after. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. 
what? Like Paul, super missionary Paul, he wrote in our Bible, he wrote the book that we're studying to learn to be a better Christian. And he's saying he hasn't obtained being the super Christian. He's still striving after that. He's still striving to grab hold of Jesus. I love that imagery, to grab hold of Jesus because Jesus has already grabbed hold of him. Picture a, a, a parent with their child and the parent's arms wrap around sometimes to almost twice over when they're giving him a hug. And the little kid is just trying to hang on for dear life. Jesus has already grabbed hold of us. And Paul is saying he's trying to grab hold of Jesus. He's striving to pursue him, to grab hold of him. Paul. Paul, this great example for us, this one that we look up to, is saying that he has not yet arrived. And I find encouragement in that. When I think about the, the mistakes I make, when I think about my in, that I'm an inferior Christian, it's not. There is no inferior Christian. It is pursuing Christ to be more like him. We are saved. We are Christian. We are Christ-like. And then from there, we need to pursue to be like him. That's what Paul is saying. He is striving to grab hold of, grab hold of Jesus. He's striving to be like Christ. And he's saying he hasn't even arrived. I think this is encouraging for, for all believers, if, if you really think about it. For, for new believers, people that are new in, in the faith, for those of you that maybe you didn't grow up as a Christian, you didn't grow up in the church, you, this is all new to you, this in, to me is inspiring. Because Jesus has us. He's grabbed hold. And we're just like this great pillar of faith, Paul, striving to grab hold of him. For those of you that are mature in your faith, that you've grown up in church, I think this is encouraging. Because even Paul is working to grab hold of Jesus. This is encouraging and inspiring for us to be able to pursue Jesus, to read our Bible, to join a small group, to, to have a healthy prayer life, to pursue him and try to grab on, to grab hold of Jesus. Because even Paul, this great example, is striving to do that, as we should. Paul goes on to say in verse 13, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I like that verse too. This whole section is neat because it seems to, to speak to all of us, right? And that's what he was speaking to this church in Philippi. It was a young church. It was a church of people that were, were Gentiles to people that some were Jews. People that had a solid background. People that were new to all this. Just like the church today. So to the mature believers or the young believers, he's saying strive to hold on. To those that are coming with a lot of baggage and pain. To those that are coming with guilt, he's saying to let go of what's behind because I'm striving forward towards Jesus. A lot of people might be carrying some extra baggage in their faith walk. We, we might be carrying guilt. We might be carrying uh, uh, feelings that I, I'm inferior, carrying these ideas. And Paul is saying, leave that behind. Look forward to Jesus. But I love it to not just those that are carrying this, but to the righteous, to those people that have grown up in church and done the right things and lived a godly life. He's saying, it's inspiring because he's saying, let go of the past. 
These accomplishments that we think would, would, be, would be our meal ticket, these accomplishments that have grown us in our faith, those were great. But let's continue to move forward. Those were in the past. What are you doing today, tomorrow, to pursue Jesus? To work to grab hold of Jesus as he's grabbed hold of us. I love that idea. And Paul continues, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's saying, you'd think the the prize is not just heaven, but he's saying, we'll we'll see in verse 20 and 21 that Jesus is going to leave heaven. The prize is Jesus. Not, we often look at that and we think the prize is, is heavenward in Christ Jesus. No, the prize is to be in God. The prize is Christ Jesus. And he's striving and he's running this race. You hear in Paul's writings this idea of this passion, this excitement to run a race, to pursue God, to grab hold of him. I love the, an example of this passion is in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, to, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is passion. Do we have that passion that we would run the race and we would throw off everything that, that holds us back, throw off the sins, throw off the struggles, throw off the guilt, the pain, and grab hold of Jesus? Paul is writing to this colony, to this group of, in Philippi. And to give a little background uh, of Philippi will help us understand the next passage that we're going to dive into. Philippi in in 42 BC, there is a great civil war. Uh, Julius Caesar had died after the death of Julius Caesar, and so there's a civil war. People are trying to take over and and run it. And there was two generals that were victorious, Antony and Octavian, who had become uh, the Emperor Augustus. And Antony and Octavian had won a battle. They had joined forces, and they had won a battle in the north with their soldiers in this area of northern Greece where Philippi is. And so they'd won, and they're going to head back to Rome, but they can't head back to Rome first. It's a lot of work to transport all these soldiers back. Second, if they take thousands of soldiers into Rome, that'll cause panic in Rome, and that would cause new problems, and it would look like they're coming with aggression. And so they had to figure out what to do with these soldiers, and so they, they said, we've conquered this land. You guys can stay here. Set up home. Set up route. We'll give you land. We'll give you each property in this area of Philippi. And so they, they make this a Roman colony of these soldiers. And, and these soldiers end up staying. They bring their families and, and other soldiers as they end up retiring from the army go to Philippi. And they set up shop there because this is a nice part of Rome. This is a colony of Rome. It's established that this is a little Rome. And so this is the history. Now you get 100 years later, we get Paul. And Paul has arrived in Philippi. And Philippi prides itself on being just like Rome. It's got a direct route through the Adriatic Sea to Rome. And so they want to be just like the culture. They want to be just like the plays. They want to be just like following the, the, the religion of Rome, which is that the emperor is the savior. The emperor is a messiah. The emperor is the one that would save and is God. This is what Paul comes to. is this little town of Philippi that sees themselves, even though they're far away, as Rome. 
They are Romans. They are proud of it. This is who they are. This is what they bleed. We are Roman. And so Paul gets here, and we get to this verse, and we jump ahead to verse 20, and I look at this. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. To the Philippians, their, their mind, their citizenship is in Rome. To the Philippians, they don't say that those people are Romans, those that live in Rome. No, we are Romans here. We have set up a colony. We, we are descendants of Romans. We are part of Rome. And so he's saying your citizenship is in heaven. And I love this because to share this to the Philippians, if they were to say your citizenship is across the sea in Rome, that's what those people are Romans, they'd say, no, we are Romans here in Philippi. We have brought Rome to here. We have brought Rome to northern Greece. And that's what Paul is saying. Your citizenship is in heaven. So you have brought heaven to earth. The same idea that Jesus shares in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus says, um, give us this day, uh, now I'm drawing a blank in the Lord's Prayer. What kind of, see, I told you I'm an inferior pastor. Um, and so uh, someone, where, someone's got to know that faster than I can find it on my notes. Um, on earth as it is in heaven. There you go. See, this is why Jimmy Cash wouldn't have done that. Um, and so that Jesus is saying, bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we have brought that to earth. He's saying to the, Phil, to the Philippians, your citizenship isn't in Rome. Your connection isn't in Rome. It's with heaven, and you can bring that to earth. Just like you've brought Rome to northern Greece, we can bring heaven to earth to reach out to God's people. Paul continues. We jump back in, in, into verse 15 and 16 so we can see. I wanted to jump ahead to verse 20 to see that our citizenship is in heaven because that leads to this idea of what, how he's telling the Philippians to behave in 15. It says, All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. What have they already obtained? A relationship with Jesus Christ. What have they already obtained? Citizenship in heaven. Let us live as if we're citizens in heaven. The Philippians are used to living as Romans. Let us live as Christians. Let us live as citizens in he from heaven. He continues, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears... Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Paul is talking about Christians here. He's talking about those that say they're following Christ, and yet their focus is on earthly things. The, Paul is saying, watch out for those Christians, but watch to the example of the Christians that are pursuing to grab hold of Christ. And he closes this section in verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. 
Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the fact that we are citizens of heaven. Isn't that wonderful? What a message to the, to the city of Philippi that your citizenship isn't in, that, in Rome, but it's in heaven. What a message to us that our citizenship isn't here on earth, isn't as an American, isn't as a Tennessean or a Virginian. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we should be bringing heaven to earth. Imagine what that would look like. If at your work this week, someone would say that they saw heaven, the kingdom of heaven, come down through you. That if we could live in such a way that in school, that we, people would say, I see that student striving to grab hold of Jesus in everything they do. What if in our homes, the way we treated our kids and our spouses, people were able to say, this place is, I feel heaven. I feel God's kingdom here because of how... We are acting. Paul talks about, Paul tells the, the Philippians in chapter 17 to follow my example. Because they didn't have the Bible to go and see how to live, they had to follow the example of the great leaders. And so he says, follow my example. And I think about that and think, man, what a great testimony that he could say, follow my example to these new believers. I hope that we could say that too. I hope that we could say at our work, at our home, at our school, follow my example of striving to grab hold of the one who has grabbed hold of me. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be a great goal to live by for, for this week, for, for Monday? You know, it's easy on Sunday morning to, to be able to sing praises, but what about Monday morning when work is hard again, family's hard again, school's hard again? What if that was our goal Monday morning? tomorrow morning, to live as if we are citizens in heaven, to live and pursue with zeal and passion that Paul talks about, to grab hold of Jesus, let go of the past, let go of what's behind us, let go of anything that we've accomplished to this point, let go of any of the guilt and the pain that we have to this point, and just run forward after Jesus. I pray that that is our heart's desire. I've been excited uh, for a couple months ago as a missions team. We met with uh, a young lady named Gabe the Girl. She's actually Gabrielle, but she goes by Gabe the Girl. Uh, she was telling us in the back, there's a friend that's Gabriel, and he's a guy. And so the, the friends would all talk about, hey, I hung out with Gabriel last night. And they'd say, Gabe the Girl or Gabe the Guy. So she became Gabe the Girl. Well, anyways, she has a heart for missions. She has a heart for God. She has a heart and passion for Jesus, and she wants to share Jesus with others. She's been in China. She's been in Japan. She's been in Spain. She's been in many different places, and she is headed out to be a missionary in Spain at the early part of next year. And I'm so excited that the missions team met with her. They've talked about it, and we have taken her on as our missionary. First time in several years that Discovery has had a missionary, and it's going to be Gabe. And I'm excited that she's, that she's going to be going and, and bringing Jesus, bringing heaven to Spain. And so we're going to meet her this morning. We got a little video that I want to show you, and then we're going to have her come up, and, and we're going to get a chance to meet her and pray with her. Um, she's going to be visiting 
all the small groups this week. I hope. We're trying to get her into everywhere. And so if you'd like to meet her, if you'd like to meet her, then start a small group, and we'll send her to your place. And it'll be great. Or you can set up a coffee. She would love to talk to you and tell you about Jesus, tell you about her heart, tell you about her mission work, and tell you about bringing heaven to earth. So if you will, let's watch this video and learn a little bit more about her.